calling all denizens of the dark, mavens of mayhem, and champions of chaos. Lock your doors and listen close. It's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terence McCauley. I am Terence McCauley, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is James Letoile, a good friend of mine and an author with a master's degree in criminal justice. He specializes in gritty crime fiction. He has 29 years of experience in the criminal justice system, working as an associate warden, chief of institution operations, hostage negotiator, and director of parole. He is the author of the Detective Penley Mystery Series, which includes At What Cost and Bury the Past. His other work includes the novel, Little River. James, welcome to the program. It's great to see you again. Good to see you, Terrence. I know your latest is called Dead Drop, and uh, I know that a lot of people are gonna be interested to learn about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that book? Sure, yeah, Dead Drop. Dead Drop uh, came out just uh, just a month or two ago, and it uh, it's the first in a new series, and it's set in the desert southwest. It's uh, it's a procedural, but it has kind of a thriller vein running through it. So it's a little it's not just a straight straight up uh, police procedural. the uh, The story is based around my my lead detective Nathan Parker. Nathan Parker is a detective with the Maricopa County Sheriff's Department down in in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of his backstory is a couple of years prior to the to the book opening, uh, his partner was murdered during a human trafficking run by a coyote bringing over undocumented migrants. So that kind of colors his perspective of the immigration issue. Uh, so right. he kind of looks through life in, in that lens. And he's dealing with survivor's guilt. You know, what could if he had done differently that night, to, you know, prevent his partner from dying and, and that kind of thing. So he's investigating a series of undocumented migrant deaths in the desert. And he finds a tie to his partner's murder. The same person was involved in, in both transactions. So he fo- yeah, he follows that, that trail of clues and it leads him actually south of the border and he gets trapped down there. And he needs to rely on the undocumented migrants he was pursuing to actually get him home um, and safe. So it it changes his perspective on the immigration issue and undocumented migrants. And he meets a few people on the on the journey that kind of change his life. So it's the it's the first in a series. And I, I really kind of like where it's it's going so far. Fantastic. Now, did you uh are all of your books set in the Western United States, Southwest area, or do you like to spread around the, the setting a bit? Uh, the Penley series was set in uh, Sacramento. Um, and then uh, Black Label that came out last year was a standalone psychological thriller. It was in San Francisco. Okay. And uh, this one is set uh, a little bit uh, differently in it's uh, the desert Southwest down in uh, the Phoenix, Tucson, and that Sonoran Desert area in the Southwest. Okay, that's great because yeah, it's definitely a uh, place and setting always have a very important spot in all of your books. It's almost like they're 
a, uh, a character in and of themselves. Yeah, I think even more so in, in Dead Drop because you've got it, the climate and the, uh, the desert's very harsh it, and it takes on the characteristics of its own and it really kind of influences the story. Um, and that's especially true in the sequel that I just uh, handed over to the, uh, to the editors this week. Um, so that's, yeah, even more so. But yeah, it's very, very, very much a, I guess you could call it a contemporary Western, same issues, but just a different time, time frame. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Instead of horses, they have uh, cheap Broncos or something along those lines. Yeah. That's go. uh, a, so a good story is a good story, no matter where it's set. Uh, and that's important. Uh, for the second book, it, it, without giving us too much uh, away uh, about what happens in uh, Dead Drop, what do you see the the whole arc evolving into the uh, the what I what I found in 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 writing uh, Dead Drop uh, and maybe just in, in terms of background on how that how that story came to came into being um, one of the things I did when I worked in the prison system is I would go from prison to prison and do security audits and um, one of those was at the prison near San Diego uh, the R.J. Donovan Correctional Facility, it sits near the border. You can stand in the yard, actually, and see the international border. You can see the fence and all that kind of stuff in Tijuana. You know, it's just right on the other side of the fence. You can actually oh, see okay. that. Yeah, you can see it from the yard. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. But we were going down and doing a security audit to this prison. And usually the warden wants to have everything all, you know, tidy, ship-shape, calm, you know, everything's smooth. And I walked into the prison and it was not that. I mean, the, the place was kind of frantic and kind of people were scurrying around. Wow. So, yeah, so I was wondering, okay, they must have had a, you know, a small riot or something this morning because, you know, that does happen in, in prison. Um, but we got into the warden's office and turned out they couldn't clear their count. Now, what clearing your count means is they lost track of how many inmates they're supposed to have. So oh. that's like the one thing you're supposed to do in prison is, you know, keep track of your, your inmates and what beds they're in. So they finally narrowed it down to the minimum facility and they still couldn't clear the count. And the minimum facility sits outside the walls. It's the lower security inmate. And they had to go through and do three other counts and still couldn't clear the count. Turns out they had one extra than they could account for. I mean, that, that's not, not a problem that happens very often. Right. So they, find, yeah, so they finally did a picture count, went bed by bed and identified the inmate that was supposed to be in the bed with the picture they had. And they finally found the guy. He was an illegal migrant, an undocumented migrant, came over the border, got so cold and tired on the trip, he actually broke into prison to, for a place to stay, you know. Wow. So, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was that was one thing that kind of stuck in my mind. But years ago, I was working as a, a probation officer and was doing juvenile intake. And that's kind of like a juvenile court referee. Right. And there was, you know, you, you deal with the kids that get cited for stuff and, you know, either put them on probation or give them work projects and counsel and release or that kind of thing. And there was a mom and her daughter that came in. The daughter was cited for shoplift. And you know, usually that's a counsel and release depending on what their, you know, history is. There was nothing, nothing we had on, on this girl before, but it turns out 
um, mom came in and the first thing she did was handed me her and her daughter's green cards. And she knew that they were gonna be deported now. You know, their daughter broke the law, so they were gonna get shipped off back to, to Mexico where they, where they came from. Mm-hmm. And she was just so certain that that was her fate that it kind of stuck with me. And she was so surprised that we didn't just, you know, shackle them both up and stick them on a bus down south. Right. Um, so those two things kind of came together in my mind that this series is going to be set in the desert southwest and deal with a lot of those those issues of culture and uh, undocumented migrants and what that community goes through in the in the southwest. Right. Yeah. And that's and it is very unique to the southwest in general, both to Arizona, Texas um and nevada a lot of places that are are facing this right it's it's now i know that you spent a large part of your career in uh in and around prison administration and you've had a lot of success doing uh fiction writing but i was wondering have you ever been tempted to try your hand at true crime or something along those lines that not necessarily speaks to your um, anybody you've dealt with in in person, but might have an appeal to elsewhere in the country. You know, I've I've played with it a little bit, um, and part of it was driven by um, where where I'm living. I live near Sacramento, in Northern mm-hmm. California, and Sacramento is really it has been uh, a serial killer magnet. Fifteen uh, percent of all the serial killers um, that have been caught have a tie to Sacramento in some way. I mean, it's bizarre, but- um, <laughs> Really, so, I, so they, they do, yeah. they have a tie. Wow. Yeah, yeah they, they, <laughs> part of it is, is Sacramento as a, as a hunting ground is, is great because it's a, a government town. Uh, so people are kind of anonymous. They move in, move out with, with the legislature cycles and, and government jobs. Nobody really knows anybody. So you don't notice oh. a stranger coming in town um, and it, yeah, it, so they take advantage of that kind of a, a thing. And it just, for, year, for years, ever since the, the 70s, uh, the place has been just uh, a buzz with, uh, with serial killers. I mean, the Golden State Killer was, you know, pretty prominent in the last couple of years. That, you know, was Sacramento. Um, True. That's, yeah. So I've, I've thought about um, going off into true crime, but what bothers me about true crime is... Um, there's a fine line about victim exploitation versus getting the story out there that you want to try to tell. And it's, it's such a fine line that um, I'm not really comfortable with that. Um, so, so to compensate, I guess, I, I use a lot of those characteristics and, and people that I met and some of the serial killers that I worked with, um, you know, some of their characters and in, in, have influenced the books and stories that I write. Right, yeah, and it, it sounds that that way because you know I've I've seen a couple of documentaries, the true crime documentaries, in the last few years, and it's the person who's doing the research that becomes almost as much a part of the story as the people yeah. they're covering. And yeah. I I keep watching it, saying, you know, you are you're suffering. You chose to go down this road. The victim didn't have any choice in this matter. Right. So you're not co-equal here. You're the storyteller. Um, and yeah, you wound up in a dark place because of it. That's your fault. But don't equate your suffering with the uh, with the victims. With the victim. That's yeah, yeah, 
if no, I was that's... ever going to, yeah, if I was ever going to do it, I would, I, and I've had a couple of, uh, of inquiries. Um, there's been family members of victims that are still surviving and family mm -hmm. members of the serial killer themselves who were kind of like my dad, the serial killer kind of, kind of thing. And they didn't know. And they felt almost like they were just as much victims for what, uh, you know, that man drugged them through too. So that, that's an, an interesting angle that might be worth exploring, but it's not, you know, direct, you know, re-traumatizing the victim kind of thing. Exactly right. Yeah. And of course, you'll always have conspiracy theorists if you cover a case that's too new and too recent right. in the memory, everybody pops up and uh, they'll say, oh, yeah, but they buried this. And yeah, that's, that's not the way it happened. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I, you know, you sometimes because I know you, you've had a different government experience than I have, but we've both been in it in a while. I say, you know, I wish the, the myth of the hyper efficient government was true, because if it was, things would be a lot different, but exactly, uh, it doesn't work that way. Um, so do you see this current series that you're working on that starts with Dead Drop as a uh, as more than a trilogy? Do you see offshoot characters? Without giving uh, away too much, of course. Yeah, without giving away too much. Yeah, I think it, it, ha it has the potential for some, uh, some ongoing uh, stories. There's enough out there because even in Dead Drop, we, we started creating a little bit of texture with the characters and their backstories. Uh, one in particular, you know, the, the main character, Nathan Parker, that we talked about, and his partner was murdered. Well, in Dead Drop, we identify who that murderer is. And so that is kind of the overarching search that he goes through for the next couple of books is tracking that guy down and, and eventually bringing him to justice. But right. the cost of doing that um, you know, could leave, you know, a wake of innocent victims in, 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 the, in the path of that. So it's, it's this dance he's got to do to, to do that without you know, making it actually worse on everybody else around him. Right. Well, that's, I mean, you know, that, that's what people love in a series, which is a, a complex protagonist that they can relate to. And it sounds like that you've certainly created that here. Uh, I know this is going to be your your current emphasis going forward. Are do you have any plans to return to any of the series that you've written before and maybe keep them going, breathe new life into them? Um, I I think Penley has probably gone where I need to go with with that series, but uh, I do have a new series that's coming out next uh, next fall winter uh, with Ocean View, and it features a uh, uh, a female protagonist uh, detective in Sacramento, back in Sacramento again. Mm -hmm. um, and her name is Emily Hunter. And she is dealing with uh, issues in Sacramento and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's kind of an, a, a, this one, I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, there's a lot of potential in there for that one. The first, uh, first book in that series is at least titled so far, um, uh, Face of Greed. So she's she's involved in the political, you know, machinations in Sacramento and, you know, who really funds the dark money in the in the city. And then there's a, a home invasion that got, has gone wrong and uh, somebody dies in that home invasion and their ties to everything that goes on in the city and gangs and that kind of stuff. So it, it just kind of un, unravels this web that's kind of fun to explore.
Yeah, it is. And it's also too difficult for the writer to walk that fine line between being a police procedural, but also taking in the environment around it, in this case, some of the political uh, infrastructure of Sacramento. You you have to speak to it, but if you get too taken with it, it gets too preachy and pulls people out of the book. Or if you you don't touch on it enough, people think, oh, well, you're just trying to stay in the middle and not offend anybody. So it's a difficult... It's yeah, a difficult it balance to strike, it is. but it's, um, but it, it sounds like you're always looking to challenge yourself from one book to the other, one series to the other as well, so that it doesn't, you don't fall into a rut. Would, that, would you say right. that's correct? I think so. I think so. And the way that the, the two series are, are different from one another, um, there's lots of things to explore. I mean, the Desert Southwest with uh, Nathan Parker and then Northern California crime, including some of the serial killer stuff we just talked about mm-hmm. um, in the Northern California series with uh, Emily Hunter. So yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff to, to plow through. I could imagine, I know. Um, what do you think it is with the, uh, the fascination with serial killers? You know, statistically they're, a, they're an anomaly. There's, there's not a right. lot of them, but the ones that are are horrible. And I was wondering, what do you think people's fascination with them are, both in true crime, not that you write true crime, but true crime and in fiction? Yeah, it seems I, to be the one hook everyone hangs their hat on when they yeah, want to I mean, approach the genre. You, you, yeah, you can't turn on Netflix without seeing a documentary on Jeffrey Dahmer or, or some other serial killer. I mean, there, there's a fascination out there with people. And there's a couple of reasons for that, I think. is one that because it's so bizarre behavior, people want to try to understand, you know, how did this happen? What, what kind of person does this kind of thing? Uh, and then there's, there's part of it that is like, well, maybe if I understand it, I can protect myself from becoming another victim and I'll know where these people are. And then there's that third group that's like, there's darkness in all of us. And, you know, how close am I to being the next Jeffrey Dahmer kind of thing? Because there's that population out there too. Right, uh, but there's there's another piece of this, and it's it's actually a mental health diagnosis. It's called histobristophilia, and it's people that are attracted to serial killers, uh, especially women. And we saw that in when I worked in prison, women are attracted to these guys that are sitting on death row or serving life without, and want to establish a relationship with these guys, and it's it's this bizarre thing to see if you're sitting on the outside watching it. These apparently, you know, normal, attractive women coming to prison to see, you know, Richard Ramirez on death row in San Quentin. Yeah, um, I just saw a, a documentary on. It's been out for a while, but the Eric Menendez trial. Yeah, with him and right. Lyle, and he's down in that San Diego prison you were talking about near right. the border. Uh, at least he was when the documentary was filmed and he got married while he was in prison and he has right. no possibility of parole. So that right. speaks exactly what you were just talking about. Yeah. It's, it's strange to see. I mean, Tex Watson, one of the Charles Manson followers uh, has been married four times in prison and has four kids since he's been in prison. So, you know, family visiting is a wonderful thing. But, uh... <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. And I, I guess, the media also plays a role in in, uh, oh, in does. making these guys popular, and they mostly are guys. Um, I when I was writing one of my 1930s novels, I based 
the uh, killer on the uh, Albert Fish case in New York. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a serial killer a lot of people don't know about because he's faded into history because they didn't glamorize him. He had his day, he had his trial, and then they right. took him off the front pages as they should. But in this day of uh, the uh, of internet technology, no good scandal stays buried <laughs> forever, unfortunately. No, and, exactly uh, right. These people always seem to have a new life ahead. Um, it also, too, have you in your in your research and stuff? Have you come upon a lot of people who have conspiracy theories? So do they come up to you at the uh, writers' events and, and lay their favorite conspiracy theory? on you about various things because i've had yeah occasionally occasionally yeah they're you know like we'll talk about the the golden state killer and then they'll have their their pet theory about well it was really three guys and you know they're all you know in some kind of a illuminati thing and (laughs) you know yeah it 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 goes on and on but yeah everybody has their pet their pet theory and their 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 favorite serial killer that they like to, to talk about yeah yeah, because I um, because when I've written my spy thrillers, I've had people get in my face and tell, and, and the one thing they get really angry about is the Princess Diana killer, and mm-hmm. I, and I'll tell them, you know what, killing somebody with a in a motor vehicle accident, it's, it's just not efficient. I don't think it happened. They will get mad. <laughs> they will just oh yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's so funny how wedded they become to something that they think about. And it, it's just, it, it's shocking to me. They have nothing to do with it. Some of these people weren't even born when it happened, but they've got yeah. their they, conviction they and that's it. They have it dialed down, right. Exactly right, exactly right. Um, are there any other genres besides crime fiction that you, if in a perfect world, you might wanna take your crack at, like uh, science fiction, romance, whatever? Yeah. I. I did write a, a spec fiction uh, piece, and and it's probably going to go back out on submission again. It's it's a little bit different for me. It's not straight up paranormal, but it's going to kind of get that theme through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's basically a a Sacramento fire fire uh, department based case, and it's a, a fireman who is injured in a house fire, loses his eyesight, he was badly burned. So he goes through all that trauma. Um, so desperate that he goes for a experimental whole eye transplant, which is kind of fringe science. But, mm-hmm. but, but through that, uh, he starts having visions uh, from his donor's eyes. And the, wow. the, donors, the donor kind of guides him to the person that started the arson fires and, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm playing with that. It's kind of fun, a little bit different. Yeah. But I think you need that too. I mean, I know with me, if I write a one genre too, we talked about this, if I write one genre too long, it, it tends to all run together and become pudding. It, it, the yeah. writer needs to um, challenge themselves whenever they can. Yep, I agree. Something like that. Yeah, it's, it's always good. Variety is, a, uh, is the spice of the creative spirit, in my opinion. Are you going, have you gone on tour with the Dead Drop or are you going to be doing anything further? I know it's been out for a month or so. Yeah, no, I've done a couple of events uh, and uh, yeah, had uh, book signings at a, I like the independent bookstores, so we've been hitting that circuit uh, here in my local bookstore, Facing a Book in Eldorado Hills, did Book Passage in Grand County and uh, a couple of other little spots. 
but uh, yeah, it's getting slowly but surely getting the, the beast out there and getting more and more people uh, familiar with Dead Drop and hopefully get a couple of readers you know, hooked into it. I'm sure you will, because it's uh, it's getting a lot of attention that it so richly deserves. Now, I know you usually go to a lot of conferences, especially in the post-COVID era. Are you right. planning on doing that in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've, I'm, matter of fact, I was just looking at a list of hit here of how many of these I'm going to be able to hit this year. But uh, yeah, it's, it looks like Left Coast Crime, uh, Boucher Con, Thriller Fest, um, Book Passage Mystery Writers Conference. I've been on, on faculty there for a couple of years. That's a fun, small, craft-oriented conference that uh, brings writers in. Uh, Killer Nashville and uh, probably one other on top of that. So it's it's going to be a busy year. It's going to and it's going to be a good year too. It's going to be, you have the, the book that you're going to be pushing now, uh, Dead Drop, and then you're also going to be introducing us to a lot of new characters. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of great things coming down the pike from you. What is the best way that people can uh, stay in touch with you and track what's going on with you? Yeah, my, my website is uh, jameslatwell.com. That's jamesletoile.com. Uh, then I'm on Facebook and, and Twitter, Instagram, all the same. Uh, either James Latwell or author James Latwell, depending on which page you want to go to. Fantastic. Well, James, thank you for taking the time uh, to talk to us today. We learned an awful lot about your work, and then we're going to look forward to seeing what comes up in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, it's good to see you again, Terrence. You take care. You too, pal. Thank you very much. Uh, again, I am Terrence McCauley, and this has been another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.